We haven't talked about wind chimes before, have we? <laughs> no. Now, okay, so here, here's, here's my quandary uh, for this week. First of all, it's, it's great to be back. It's been about a month or so now. We did have a special CISO episode uh, that Brandon put in there. So, you know, that's, that's a good job, Brandon. That was a good, good interview with, with our buddy Thank you. there. Hold on. I was, I was thinking this year we'll have to do some more little uh, not, just, not just three white guys talking. We'll get new white guys to come in and talk. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get some white girls. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, no, but we, we need more people. Yeah. More variety. Yeah, you know, for, for multiple years, I've been doing this podcasting thing, you know, for since 2004 or five or so. And I always, always, I know Brandon has this problem. I'm always getting the equipment to do some field recording. And I'm thinking, like, I go out and about and I talk with people. And then my total output for that is maybe two or three uh, recordings that I've ever done. Maybe not that bad. But... <laughs> and, and how many full sets of gear have you bought? Oof. I got a, I got a lot, I got a lot of gear. I've had lots of gear over the, the best gear. I'm going to forget the name, but it was the, uh, it was the Roland R09, which, which I regretfully sent back to Red Monk because I was a responsible person when I left. I should have just kept that. No one, no one yep. would have noticed. That was a good, good piece of gear. Excellent recorder. But now I have the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the H9. What's the name of that brand? Brandon, the H6, the Zoom H6, six-track recorder. Man, yeah, it's, it's got six tracks. This is more than we've ever – six people would be more than we've ever done by like a factor of six. That's what we need to do this year. we got to do six six people, six tracks live. It'll be awesome. Anyhow, uh, wind chimes. You know, I was thinking the other day. Now, was it just me and like where I live and my mother? But it seems like wind chimes were really popular in the 80s. And nowadays, no wind chimes. There's no wind chimes anywhere. They're out. Whew. I don't know about uh, wow. that. We have some wind chimes in my backyard. I don't particularly like them, but we have them. Mm. So I, I and I do see them around the neighborhood. So maybe it's just your little localized area. I see. I think it might be that my wife doesn't like wind chimes, so therefore I do not have a wind chimes. That <laughs> I was at it a. Sounds ri- like do you, do you like them? It sounds like do you miss the wind chime. I, it sounds like he does. Maybe I guess you know it's hard to say because uh, i was I was at my rent house the other day. They're doing a little bit of uh, work there on things, patching stuff up, fiddling around. And uh, we have an old wind chime set that was there. It's sort of like the bamboo one, so it has that hollow sound instead of the uh, the high pitched tinging noise. Mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess I like a wind chime. I don't know. I think I think this relates to my uh, my culture WTF uh, sort of quandary is like how how do wind chimes fit into your life? and what is what does that mean about what the point of living is? Well, I'm just, gonna go the ooh. other way. I'm gonna go the other way in the wind chime as someone uh-huh. who has them. I really don't like them because the only time I notice them is when I'm trying to sleep or they're annoying me. Like I mm. don't, I don't in, like enjoy the wind chime where I'm just like outside. Mm-hmm. Like oh that sound, it just uh, fades into the background noise. Yeah. if I if yeah. it's there. So yeah. I don't get a lot of value out of, but I know people do like them, and there are I have seen plenty of wind chimes around. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe, maybe also if there was some sort of IoT related wind chime, I'd be into that. It'd send me like a little <laughs> notification every time it little starts little to fit, chime. Fitbit charts, yeah, like yeah. oh, getting this many ding dings per minute. That would be a good IFTTT thing. Is I need some I need some weather vane that tells me when wind is happening, and it can send me a notification to go out and listen to the wind chimes. That, that <laughs> if only there was yeah. something that could could collate that data and then give me metrics to go with the logging for my wind chimes. <laughs> That's right. You know, speaking of, this episode 
is sponsored once again by Datadog, our uh, our great friends over there. Now we'll have a longer longer uh, overview of what they do, but just as a as a brief introduction, if you want to get they they've come back with their offer, you get a free T-shirt. You just log in and set up a dashboard. You know, do all your monitoring. I'm I actually conscious of this. I put on my Datadog T-shirt today. Excellent T-shirt. But if you go to datadog.com/slash/software-defined-talk. I bet there's some customization where you could monitor uh, wind chimes happening. So, uh, you know, I was thinking that because I don't really know why. Maybe I was entertaining myself by shopping, but I bought a bunch of those Wemo uh, Internet of Things things. You know, I got, I got, I got, uh, well, I bought some for Kim as a Christmas gift. So I had four, I have four of those plugs that you can hook up and, and, you know, wrap rules around. And then I went and bought a dimmer. And then I got the bridge, so it works with uh, HomeKit. Just don't worry about that. That, as with all uh, sort of Apple products outside of the iPhone, it's not cool. That HomeKit thing's a piece of trash, <laughs> so don't worry about it. Uh, and 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 then I also I haven't installed the dimmer yet, uh, but then I got one of those plugs that tells you how much power is being used. And then I got two more big plugs. So I hooked up the kids' lava lamps to the plug, so you can heat them up about an hour before bedtime. We had the Christmas tree on a, on a plug. And I've had this lengthy conversation with Kim, my wife, about where to put the dimmer switch. And first, it took about three – now, the dimmer switch, you know, it's, it's, it's an internet dimmer switch. So you can program it to go on and off. And then also, since it's a dimmer, you can have various levels. And uh, it also has a long press thing, right? You can long press it, and that's some event. So I guess you could turn on all the lights in your house or something. But man, I, I started to realize the folly of my ways when it took me like three or four times to try to sell the idea to Kim. She was like, so w- what would I do with this dimmer switch that our current yep. dimmer switch doesn't do? And it is, I am kind of in the uh, the solution looking for a problem mode here. I, the lava lamp thing is cool. That's That's good. And seasonal lights, but I'm not yeah. really sure... What else I need to be doing with these uh, well, what, internet plugs? What plugs. about the power monitor? Was that good? Did well, that, uh, give you some interesting information. Now, now in my theoretic future, it's awesome because I know how much uh, electricity something is consuming. The problem is, I'm not sure I have anything I care about. How much electricity yeah, the, the, is consuming? The, there's nothing actionable there, right? You're you're going to monitor how much power your christmas tree is using and then you're going to be like well next year clearly we don't need a christmas tree yeah, fuck that tree i need power <laughs> there is no roi christmas, on this tree christmas has been canceled i like it now now yeah. i was thinking i was thinking you know we got our freezer in the garage and uh this is just a, all a parable for uh it strategy that you should be thinking about in 2018 that's why I'm going over it. But I was I was thinking I got our freezer in the garage, and of course our garage is all GFCI outletted, right? So every now mm-hmm. and then something happens and the freezer stops working, and then of course you lose all your food in it, right? So I was oh. thinking, now we did get an alarm recently that you plug into the same outlet, and it just makes this screeching noise when the power goes out. There's a little battery in it. I was thinking that power consumption thing would be cool there because then I could set up a rule that when zero power is being used, it alerts me. But then I realized if the power goes out, the thing doesn't work. So you got a little <laughs> bit of uh, you know chicken and egg problem there. But yeah, I don't know what I would hook that up to. Maybe uh, my computer uh, yeah. setup. I don't know. So see, I, I burned. I burned all potential that home automation stuff like. Oh, 15 years ago mm-hmm. when they had the, the Linux controlled stuff mm. and I had like, you know, motion sensors and all that shit. And like, it wasn't very, very, uh, 
reliable. Yeah. And so we'd have like, you know, lights turning on in the middle of the night, you know, <laughs> uh, motion sensors that were set too high. And, and so like, yeah, that stuff's not coming back until like, I don't yeah. know, my wife's gone. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's what I was thinking with the dimmer. Like you could, you could have the kitchen light be on like level one or two, you know, time in the morning to turn on. And then, and then Kim was like, yeah, but what if we want to sleep in and then the lights on? So I don't know, yep. man. Like, I don't know. What, well, I, I believe I the, stuff. Killer, the killer use case for IoT in the home is uh, a device or something that reports back right before your uh, batteries go dead in your smoke detectors. Mm. Right? Like, you immediately know that, oh, I need to actually change them. That would be yeah. fantastic because every time it happens to me, it's usually late at night and very it's always late at night. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, I mean, those ne- the Nest has stuff that does that, right? Yeah. Anyway, you know, and then and then I can hook it up to Alexa, and you can be like, Alexa, turn the lights on. Oh, I've got one in here. It's talking to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even connect to the yeah, internet. Well, what good is that, that? That's the other problem is is I have like you know a house full of you know yelling children, and so mm. Mm, yeah, that's just not happening. And, and I live in you know. A rental, so what are you going to do? Yeah, so you know, I've I've looked through all the IFTTT things, and and the only one that's kind of clever I found is that if you have some sort of motion detector, it'll turn on some light inside your house. But like, I don't know, I don't have crime problems around here, so when you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, and I, I mean, I I literally quit the uh, chef has a lot of Slack channels. I quit the home automation channel yesterday because mm. <laughs> I was like, I'm not buying this. I mm. I know. Maybe have a okay. Maybe I can hook it up. That if I long press on the dimmer switch, that's just like nighttime, and it just does a kill switch on the kids' iPads. That see that could be useful. I'm all into that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Apple won't enable that stuff. It's so annoying. (sighs) Meanwhile, our kids' brains are rotting. Right? I mean, remember what happened to us in TV in the '80s? Mm. I don't don't know how we even got a job after watching all that TV. It just totally ruined us. (laughs) And those video games messed us up big time. Science yep. said so. Yeah. Yep. So speaking of science, so speaking hey, of science. now now that you're here, <laughs> now that you're here, Matt Ray, I have I have oh, not no. been trying to understand what all this this uh, meltdown inspector stuff is. So oh jeez, you know my understanding is there's some sort of optimization where it's trying to predict the future and compute something for you. And then maybe it yes. doesn't like clean up its mess, and then some little bad actor gets in there and like looks at some other memory and then reads your passcode or something. That that sounds really. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then the other one is. Uh, so what are the? What's the other one? Which one is which? Well, they're very similar, and so you know, I tried to to get straight in my head like which one's Spectre, which one's Meltdown, and. They're pretty close, uh, uh-huh. you know, and they affect everything modern. Um, so, you know, some of the IoT stuff is safe, um, but but most mm. most most Intel and and AMD says like, oh, it's only you know certain models. Are like whatever, like you know, you're you're almost everything's vulnerable to meltdown, and I think Spectre's partially everything. <laughs> mm. But when you put those two together, it's like you're screwed. And, um, and and so like like I mean okay like there's two questions I have have here one is like uh, I mean I guess I guess there's just a bug and someone forgot to check this like like that mm-hmm. seems like um, 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's probably a lot of complicated code paths. I wonder, I wonder what that's like coding up a chip. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it does seem like one of those things where, like, well, that's, that's sort of like it's supposed to do that. So that, that got right. missed, which is too I bad. I mean, the, the, yeah, the, the, the analogy used is pretty close. I think, I think it was Red Hat on one of their blog posts had a very, very good, what I thought, layman's explanation of how it works, um, where essentially, like, you go into a coffee shop every day and you're like, skinny latte, cote. And they, you know, they write that on your cup and, and then, you know, you, you show up there like a week, two weeks, and then they're like, you know what, Cote's coming in tomorrow. I'm going to write Cote skinny latte. And then, you know, mm. you show up and, and you're like, you know what, today I'm going full fat. And they're like, fuck, we already made you this latte. Well, we'll just put it over there on the counter and throw it away. And then, you know, Brandon's coming in. He's like, oh, that Cote guy, he likes skinny lattes. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that password out of the the cash the missed cash now now so how okay so so basically what you would do to do they call it exploiting you would uh you would somehow ca- you would somehow be able to do some pre-optimization execution which i don't know how you do that right like how you insert something into there so then so then you've got this code that executes uh, your pre-optim, your your predicted code, and then somehow, and then for some reason, uh, it gives you access to all memory. All memory becomes shared or a cache or something. And then I presume you just copy all of the cache and search in there for anything that might be interesting. Or, or is it yeah. more precise? Like you can know exactly, like here's this thing in the cache that I go pull out, and that's exactly the password. Or I go to the cache and I get this thing and that allows me to go look at the other VMs or other things running. And then I can root around in there for things that are interesting. I guess my whole point is that if you're going to exploit this, you basically need to, in your code, know how to recognize things that are valuable and then get those. Mm-hmm. Or you just have to like download everything and sort through it later. I think you, you just scrape everything and sort. Yeah, and I think I think you're inter- asking the interesting question because I've thought about this as well. Like, where where would this exploit be used, right? And I think everywhere. If well, it could be, but I think kind of walking back, it's like, say you just have a computer in a data center that's locked away, right? Like, mm-hmm. because you have to actually get access to that machine to actually put some code on to do this. Probably, if you went to the and you were like going to a known attacking place, you would probably do something different to go steal right. this information. You, this is a very complicated way to get that. So the place where I think there is some reasonable uh, you know, al- alarm is the, you know, the quote-unquote co-located cloud server where you're not necessarily sure what's going to be running on the actual hardware mm. with you. And that is the place... Where, and then you and you're also not sure maybe you can't get access right there's not some other way to get access yeah. so that's a place where you could do it but i still think it's a very sophisticated way to attack so uh, and then of course like i i think it would take because to your point about like knowing like what else is running in there getting in the memory searching the memory for the relevant things um i think you know, it's going to be a very, it's almost like you would be kind of just trying to aggregate a bunch of stuff on a bunch of cloud servers and then, and then later on kind of look like, did I get anything good? Yeah. Like, I don't well, know the, how you would know, like something's really relevant to you. Go ahead. The, Matt. Yeah. There are, there are two vectors here. Like one is, yeah, you're in a shared hosting, you know, you're in a cloud, public cloud, and you're just, you're in a VM and you can scrape the memory of other VMs. So that, you know that just pokes a hole right through virtualization so that that's not good 
Um, you know, that, that's, that's really bad, but there's also, um, a, a browser based, uh, attack vector that has been demoed where you go mm. to a malicious website and they're like, Hey, run this JavaScript. Now we just pulled stuff out of your, your, you know, your CPU cache. And you're like, wait, wait, you shouldn't be able to do that. And they're yeah. like, yeah. you know, yeah, right, patch thing. your systems people. And I, um, I, guess, I guess, I guess the most obvious simple thing would be like, you just, you, you get whatever credentials you need to then get access to the, the box or the node or VM. And then for example, you could, uh, you could sort of like, uh, systematically try to get like some company's email server and then get root access and then download everything and get all their email sure. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, once you have a password, that's you know, right, right. That's but, a but whole that, other that seems like something that, like, rather than just downloading a big glob of information and like having some like evil mechanical Turk look over it, you would be like, all we want to get is credentials, and there's like 200 ways to get a credentials off of various boxes. So just run all that, and then we got a list of credentials, and then we'll go back and and try to just log into those machines and just get whatever yeah. is valuable that we can. And and then yeah. you can just you could systematize it and just run it at scale instead of having to uh, be some sort of Jason Bourne character who slips a USB <laughs> drive into a machine so you can get the schematics or, or, or well whatever. it's it's like uh, my my wife was trying to access some some public health data from a US website that for some reason was blocking Australia mm. and so I gave her an AWS instance uh, you know <laughs> and you know I'm like. You know, you 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 punch through. You're in America now, and she was like, "I I feel like you know Elizabeth Sander from Girl with a Dragon Tattoo," and I'm like, "Yeah, you're a real hacker, right? Yeah, you're, um, in. you're in. You know, you're, wow, you're what a pull. People. That's nice. Yeah, um, but well, it's real, you know, real world. But uh, I mean, the the problem is like this was such a good idea. This cache optimization, look ahead, you know, strategy that everybody did it, and so that's why every CPU is vulnerable. And, and so, yeah, now they're like, well, fine, you're taking away our fun, you're turning off our games. And so the metrics are showing like, you know, uh, up to like 30% failure rate, um, slower on, on some operations. You know, they're, they're starting to have benchmarks come out. Um, databases especially don't like this the, the correction. And they're going to keep patching this thing for a while as they find other little mm. variants of it. Right, so so, so, it's a so, big then, deal. so then that gets to the the second thing is like so, what are you supposed to do about it? And and, and I get I guess just to just to sort through what you're just saying, there are patches, and is that a patch to the actual like chip or the operating system that's doing something? Because you can't really patch a chip, Both. right? Okay, yeah, you can, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so um, a lot of the you know the modern chips have uh, you know field upgradable. Um, like embedded mm. chips, like 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 little embedded FPGAs that you can re- kind of reprogram, uh, microcode, right? And, and so people are updating your your Xeons and your Ryzen's and and all those you know fancy server chips. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that's just going to be permanently vulnerable yeah. if if you've got a you know. But, that's why you have to go and patch the OSs. And so wh- whatever, maybe, hopefully, you're using Chef to do this, or you're running everything in Pivotal <laughs> Cloud Foundry and it gets handled. But basically, you go to whatever does your patching thing, and you apply your yep. patch or create new, your new containers and redo it. And then, and then the only the consequences, positive one, is that people won't steal your email. And the negative one, to put it in the optimistic way, is, is previously... Because you could do this predictive stuff, you could get a thirty percent boost, up to a thirty percent boost in uh, 
not productivity. That's what humans do in performance. And uh, yeah. but now that gets removed. So you get yeah, you, yeah. you that was the yeah. new normal. So now it feels we, we, like you're thirty percent slower, but really you were just like surviving on uh, empty calories, it turns out. Until... <laughs> <laughs> we have to turn the turbo button off. You're not overclocking anymore, right? Yeah. And then and then in theory yeah. all the chip manufacturers are like, Oh, I just need to put those lines of code in there that say don't do that and then you get your thirty percent uh, boost back. I, I don't know if it's that easy. But oh. it's going to take a while, right? They get, they should get one of them them Google people to figure it out and publish a white paper. Yeah. That'll be fine. But I do think yeah. we always should step back on this stuff because there is always, like, the narrative. I think people like to write about this because it has, like, the chip thing, which means, like, oh, it can never be fixed. It kind of throw to, gets thrown out that way. And then, like, oh, everyone's going to have to pay, like, 30% more or lose 30% of their CPUs. And it's, like, it's definitely uh. important. It should definitely be fixed. But I would just come back to, like, most people don't have two-factor authentication it uh, enabled on many of their sites. So it's <laughs> right, like, right. so if you're worried, like, so like today, like it's not really exciting to write like, whoa, a hundred million people in the world don't have two-factor authentication. They are really, and they're using bad passwords. Like that is not an exciting article to write, but that is probably much better or much, would, if you will, reduce security uh, exploits by mm-hmm. a lot if most people just did that. You, you should write that article, Brandon. So, we'll, uh, we'll, just, call up, well, <laughs> we'll call up our buddy Alex at the new stack and be like, publish That's this. right, we should do it. I just, yeah, just, so, yeah. so there is. Like, so, no. yeah, it's, well, we'll get the page views, right? Because it's like everyone wants to talk about speculative execution. And <laughs> it's cool. I liked it. I read a lot of them too. So I'm in that category. But I just come back to like, hey, especially if we're talking about stealing credentials, like, what can you do? Okay, make sure you have some type of second factor so that if they grab your password, Right, they have to do this other step that will be at least mm-hmm. harder for them, if not impossible. Now, so, now, now that said, just, just now, remember. Now, now that said, my understanding of this, my my total, you know, the most advanced thing I've ever done is is run a VM in a VM as a programmer. Bit of a bit of a hat <laughs> on a hat, wearing a hoodie with a hoodie there. So I don't understand what goes on below the VM, but but it seems like if you had two FA. If you were doing all this automated, you would have clicked that or, or your, your robot would have clicked that box that said, trust this computer for 90 days, right? right? And then, so you, your 2FA passed and, and, then, and then you would have done your speculative Bojangle thing and looked in the cache and found the password and then gotten access. So I guess maybe, maybe what you could do is instead of having to patch it, would you like crack that 2FA thing? I mean, I, I guess the whole point is, is it's that you can get the little bit of memory that says everything's cool, you go ahead and access this. It doesn't really matter how many factors you have, unless every time you're having to re-enter the factor and the password, which wouldn't be the case for most all systems unless they were really annoying. Or, or I guess, I guess it could be. Let's see, even if you had one of those YubiKey things stuck in there, I'm I'm not a security but person. Not, but, but just remember what you'd have to do, right? Like you would have to grab, like you'd have to know that I'm gonna in this memory, I'm gonna grab some some credentials. Maybe I grab the actual token, right? Token mm. for the session, and at the same time, you have to get that t- token because it's not gonna last forever. Then I'm gonna have to then in that same area go do something with it while that session is still open on that VM, right? Yeah, so pretty, yeah. That's, yeah. This yeah. sounds pretty complicated. And if we were really going after you, we would do this a different way. Like we would get your, you know what I mean? I, we would go like if, if we wanted to spearfish someone and really take over their life or, you know, we would do it a much different way. There are much simpler ways to do it. Now I do think if you get on like a financial trading machine. And you're just like, oh, this thing is running a lot of trades over and over again. And you get really used to knowing what the memory is and where stuff is. You could potentially sit there and mine it for like a lot of data, right? 
That mm. is, I think, something that would be interesting. But I think kind of back to like the normal person, right? Like, I don't think they're going to steal your credentials this way. Or if they are, no. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. If you just had 2FA, like you're going to just up your security so much more than worrying about this, right? I do think, though, the Amazons, and I think they are all the cloud providers, they have to be on top of this. And I think they have oh, all yeah. issued different statements. And, you know, so it really is. It's like really expert security people applying expert security patches. Mm. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff that you as an individual can do, right, to, to not worry about this that's simple, that it doesn't have to be so complicated about speculative execution. So, so I got two more things, and then we, we can move on to something else. And, and you know, I think. Uh, one, so, so as we're walking through this, it seems like there's at least three things that as, can we say hacker nowadays, or do people like, you know, chubby people in sandals get all over your ass when you do that still? <laughs> it's, it, seem, it seems like there's three things a hacker's after. One is just like straight up data, right? Like here's here's an embarrassing email someone sent. And the motivation for that could be blackmail or it could be uh, destroying sort of something, you know, like like political chances. So you're after just like emails or data or whatever. It could also be industrial espionage. Like we want to get the schematics uh, for, for, for something. Back to our Jason Bourne friend. So you're just retrieving something. And then two, I guess there's like, raw compute like i want to do some bitcoin mining whatever that is and so i just yeah, want to take yeah. over these machines to do raw compute which then again leads back to money i guess um and then i guess the third is i i guess you could do i we'll call it spy shit and it's basically like <laughs> i want to turn on the webcam so i can watch what you're doing or i want to destroy your factory by messing up the scada right so i want to be destructive mm. in in the way i'm doing stuff and like I mean, so if you have those three things, I mean, those are all, they're kind of like transactional. I guess the spying on people is ongoing, but you're always trying to like find some piece of data that you do something with or or you're, uh, you're trying to like destroy a physical thing. I guess there's the third one is the old penny shaving is you're trying to execute transferring money from one account to another account and which is again, just making money. Well, I think the other one is I think if you step up to kind of the nation state spy, right, like a few years ago, we all um, I just forgot the name of it. But, you know, the, the U.S. allegedly, right, like created some virus that messed up all of the nuclear reactors in Iran. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think you kind of like I, I kind of put this ex this exploit kind of in this category of like, yeah, like if you were really had a team of people that was going after a very proprietary system that was really locked down, you know, in a way that, uh, that isn't, you know, kind of, again, getting to like nation state security. Like I could see this being in your tool bag, right? This is kind of like the tool right. bag of, I know how to crack an well, iPhone. Yeah. Um, and, I, and again, like, I don't want to say that that doesn't mean Amazon and every other cloud provider shouldn't take action. I just think of like, it's probably more useful in that kind of case where there's some unique things that are happening in a very unusual system that, this is going to give you or really provide you a way that really there's no other way to do it. And I but, think there's yeah. lots of other ways to do like stealing credentials and getting other data that you will probably exhaust before you get to this one. Oh, well, so, so most, I mean, let's you know, talk out of our asses, but most like cracker hacker folks are, are going to start with a tool like Metasploit where they have, you know, a laundry list of a hundred known vulnerabilities and they're just going to point an automated tool at a system and it's going to, go through that list and it's going to find this eventually 
right? This is, you know, I'm sure it's been added to the toolkit of things you can do, right? And most, most of these script kiddies, they, you know, they're not, they're not like, you know what, today, today I'm going to come in with meltdown. They're like, you know what, I'm going to point Metasploit at this. It's going to try a hundred things and tell me that, you know, three of them are viable and I'll come back after those, right? So this just, just adds to the background. I mean, this is kind of like, you know, like, you know, that's why you have, you know, virus scanners. It's like, you know what? We don't know which one we have to protect mm. from. We're going to protect from all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's useful. Right? It's, it's just, it's, <laughs> I, you know, security is, it's, it's fun to like just trace all the way back to like what you're actually freaking out about, right? Like, you know, right. for, for example, this exploit probably won't be used to log into my machine and make a delightful uh, movie out of the past year of my photos and show it to me. Right, like mm, no. <laughs> there, there's something. There's probably something else on your system wasting your resources doing that. Yeah, no, no <laughs> think, Facebook to, does that to, for me plenty. To really put like a ribbon on this though, but I do think if we just come up a level and out of the the details for a second, and just you know, because we had this conversation again on the last episode, if you want to talk about more about CISOs, but this is just back to like you know, you're the CISO of any you know. Uh, large enterprise, you know, as I often like to say in middle America, and, you know, people are telling you to put a, put your stuff in the cloud and it's, and it's like, okay, well now suddenly, you know, this is something that they, they now know about, right? This meltdown specter thing. They know it could potentially happen in the cloud and that's probably where you're most vulnerable, at least this one thing. And it is something that kind of plays back to this narrative that we talk a lot about, like private cloud, public cloud, hybrid cloud. And it's just, you know, I, I, I think it is going to become like some of the fuel, right, for like, well, like, should you, you know, how much can the cloud pr- protect you, right? And if you know that you're the one that's going to be in trouble if, you know, and, and there isn't really a way that you're going to defend against this that doesn't really depend on the cloud provider, right? So I think it it yeah. does kind of continue kind of that that ongoing discussion of, you know, well, well, like if I'm Citibank, so let's use instead of somebody in the middle of America, like Citibank, and I have all this stuff, it's like, you know, if I'm the one that's going to be held responsible, you know, I'm at least going to isolate my machines physically, right, from the world. You're, you can see some of that thinking uh, jump up again. So, again, like I always go back to like just having sympathy or empathy for the CISO, right? It's like it's just a tough job. Yeah, but, but the, the contra to that is, hey, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, they already had patches in progress. They were working with the chip vendors. You know what? I bet, you know little tiny you know farming machinery company in, in Des Moines they weren't invited to that private only mailing list you know they're, they're that invite only mailing list where you know they hashed out the solution for this bug over the last month you know I mean this this came out by accident they you know it, it, there was they'd already been working on a solution they'd already you know discussed a release date for it where everything everyone was going to be patched up by like you know January 14th and allegedly like it kind of slipped out from a commit message in a kernel uh an upstream kernel patch right where the guy was like oh yeah it fixes this you know look ahead vulnerability and like wait wait what look ahead vulnerability (laughs) right so i mean that's kind of the contra to that it's like you can't hire the professionals who are you know working at this scale you know, you you just can't, right? If if they're they're sitting, you know, some headhunter's gonna say like, hey, you know, you can make 150k working for this, you know, farming company, or you can make 300k working for this, you know, shiny company out of Silicon Valley, and you know what, you don't have to move, right? Yeah, no, I I think you're right. I think there's definitely like the, the push pull there, and I 
and I agree with that, right? I think that's the, but I think that's just sort of like the decision these guys have to make day to day. It's like, well, which, yeah, yeah. like, where do I feel? And it's not always obvious. And then two, like, you know, this is just the old centralized versus decentralized thing. And it's like, this is a good example of like, okay, well, these chips, potentially it's a vulnerability everywhere. And it's like, okay, well, now we've clustered everything in a few different cloud providers. So, you know, potentially it's a bigger attack vector. So what does that, like, if you think about autonomous cars or things like that, it sort of does throw it in the future of like, wow, like if we all depend on one of these chips and something breaks, you know, like the radio trip um, as things kind of like, you know, if cars are driving around or just, you know, physical real world things get out there. Um, it just kind of, I think it's just more like a warning, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. there are some downsides to the centralization side, right? Because like, oh, well, suddenly everything that uses that chip has the problem. So I don't know. I think, you know, again, I don't have the answer. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't move to the cloud or you should. It's just making these decisions. There are a lot of layers to these decisions as people are rolling yeah. out technology. You got you to get the two-factor authentication problem solved. Well, that's, Boom. that's, you know, that's what I like. <laughs> that's a nice start. Yeah, I like that. Well, so, uh, you know, uh, as mentioned earlier, this episode's uh, sponsored by Datadog. Now, you may remember the three ad run that we did. Uh, when was that? Just before turkey time, I remember. Now, they got they got the uh, the same deal. If you go to datadog.com slash software defined talk and you create one dashboard, only one dashboard, you can use it to monitor uh, anything. Just, you know, monitor your uh, your wind chimes, as mentioned earlier. Maybe you got one of those Raspberry Pis and do an integration. Or you could actually monitor something real, like one of the various 200 integrations that they have. They, they will monitor your containers, all your various types of public clouds and private ones. They monitor chef stuff, maybe other rival technologies. And uh, they got do they do Docker monitoring, and I, there's a there's a Pivotal Cloud Foundry integration as well. Basically, all kinds of stuff that you would want to gather and monitor or uh, do observability on. I don't know all the iterations oh. of observability, but you, you you can get some observability. So you can build custom written dashboards, and you know I was looking at. Uh, I was catching up on them. They have a lot of collaborative things where not only, of course, you can have multiple people log in so you don't have to share a, a password, uh, but multiple yeah. people can log in and check out and collaborate in the dashboard. But they also have uh, you know, things you would have like integrations with Slack to send information out there. But I was seeing they have kind of like a log built into it so you can see previous conversations and ways you were troubleshooting things. I remember – Back in the, uh, let's call it the mid-late 2000s, I wrote a lot about that at uh, when I was at Red Monk. Just the idea of, we should have an activity stream in your ticket <laughs> system so that people keep track of things. Yep. Move those post-it notes in there so they have that kind of thing uh, in there. So if that's the kind of thing you're interested in, you can go test it out for free. You just go to datadog.com slash software-defined-talk because I know y'all are sophisticated enough to type that full thing out. And uh, they'll send you a t-shirt for free which is exciting. I'm wearing one of those shirts now. Oh. It's purple. It's very soft. It's one of those shirts you can wear all the time. And, uh, you know, you could create two dashboards, however many dashboards <laughs> you want. But uh, just, you know, we'll, we, we have several ads here. But last time we ran these ads, they told us that everyone waited till the last one to do it. But what you should do is do it right now. Just remember what uh, Abraham Lincoln Franklin always said. Why do today what tomorrow you should have done today? As I recall, so you just you just I'm, I'm, I, yeah I'm, exactly I'm moved I moved yeah you, you got to go to datadog.com/slash/software-defined-talk and uh, and sign up for that now Brandon you were telling me some exciting feature they had in their dashboards what uh, what what is it yeah if you go check out some of their logging features which I think are in beta uh, as we all know logging is near and dear to everyone's heart right so it's great to like 
pull up a log and see what's happening in it, but they actually allow you to kind of, if you will, metaphorically click on the log and then pull up all the other parameters uh, in that time frame. So that, you know, as we all know, what you really want to see in a log is like, okay, at this at this log entry at this time, what did everything else in the system look like? So whether it be your CPU, your memory, or my favorite, your custom parameters that you've built in, they have a nice little uh, dashboard to show it all there. So you should you should try that out if you're troubleshooting and, and debugging. If you're trying to figure out if Spectre is running on your machine, maybe maybe you could get in there and build a dashboard and see what's happening. So uh, also while we're here in uh, in advertising stuff, just uh, you know in in the software defined talk realm. So we have T-shirts now. If if you if you're over in the software defined uh, talk Slack channel which you can sign up for if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com. But uh, you'll, you'll see that uh, you can get a T-shirt now. What are they, like $25 or something, Brandon? Yeah, $25. They're available now. Three Supplies cost. are limited, so act fast. I feel like I should say that. That's right. I, don't, I actually don't know how limited they are. I just know we ordered are they only limited? a certain we, – we only ordered a certain amount, so hopefully, uh, uh, <laughs> hopefully people will buy them. But yeah, they're okay. they're nice. They're they're what you would expect. They come in three different colors. I think the word Heather is involved in one of them somewhere. You know, Ooh. all sorts of stuff like I, that. I got I got one. The good I stuff. got one. I wore it. I wore it to Chef Rally. I got some uh, some kudos on it. It's a very fine T-shirt. Yeah. So you can impress your friends and and depress your enemies by uh, mm. showing off your fine T-shirt <laughs> and tell them that they should go get one. Also, we still have stickers. If you go to our uh, – if you can DM or, or, or whatever us as, as usual. But if you go to our, our contact form, just send us your name and address and we'll, we'll mail you uh, a couple of stickers. Uh, but you got to, of course, send us your address and, uh, and, and all of that stuff. Um, and they're nice little stickers. They're die cut, super fancy. Brandon has been the, the, the sticker and T-shirt person. So he's, he's mm. heads up that department. I don't know what that is. SVP of Schwag. Updating the LinkedIn profile as we speak. That's right. Chief Marketing Officer, softwaredefinedtalk.com. And, uh, (laughs) you know, we were going to have a live recording on uh, yesterday, January 16th. But, uh, you know, it was a frozen city, so we canceled that. So Mm. we'll either do that in February or the next month. I need to check to see if if I'll be in town uh, for for doing that recording. And and then last thing, uh, we also have a little newsletter, uh, you know, that that I've I've been doing for quite some time now, or or long enough that it seems like it's a habit. And I, uh, you know, I write a little note in there and link to content that we've created from this podcast and others, and I try to dump as many links as I think are helpful and relevant in there. I was just catching up on newsletters recently, and you know, since. Um, since Derek over there canceled his uh, architecture thing, I don't really have a newsletter anymore that goes over tech stuff. So now I can read my own. It's great. But it's, uh, <laughs> it, it only goes out every week. I try to send it on Friday, so it's not going to inundate you with, with a bunch of stuff. It's just the, uh, the good highlights of, of stuff that I found. So all that stuff, if you look in the show notes or you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can join the Slack channel or sign up for the newsletter. Uh, you can try to send, uh, you can order t-shirts that we have, get a free stickers by sending us your information and, uh, you know, all, all the great stuff, but it's like, it's like we're big time 2018 stickers, everything's wow. panning out. So before we close out, I just want to go over a few, uh, quick little things. There's, there's more information in the, uh, in the show notes. And as you can expect, I'll put it in the, put stuff in the newsletter as well. It's not a, it's not an exact overlap between show notes and the newsletter. There's probably uh, 
more over in little email newsletter. But uh, I, I don't know if it's coincident. I guess not because it's the beginning of the year. But there's a couple of like market sizing and survey stuff out from uh, oh, my yeah, old place, stuff. 451 Research and IDC. And I like um, – so basically to sum it up, mo- the, most of the ones that I pulled uh, – Focus on there's general spending estimates from Gartner, which I think I think the uh, other than a gigantic number, what's notable is there's basically like eight percent growth in enterprise software spending. Which, if you collate it down to the uh, the four five one stuff, there's there's a big increase in uh, well maybe not big, but there is good growth in uh, I guess we would all like eight percent compounded percent each year, right? We could agree on that, mm. but uh, sure. there's like, that's like Bitcoin numbers. That's right. There, there's there's plenty of growth in people moving their applications to uh, software as a service, uh, which is probably if all you care about is optimizing and uh, not really innovating, it's probably the best thing that you could do if you haven't done it already is move to uh, SaaS things, and then you mm-hmm. can get to uh, innovating, writing your own software and doing custom IT, but. The 451 chart, which you can see in the show notes, it has good year-over-year uh, year stuff of uh, what I would call the mix between um, private cloud and public cloud, where private cloud includes like hosted and on-premise traditional things. And you can just kind of see they do it from 2016 to projected into 2019, uh, what people in surveys have been saying the mix is going to be. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to see... Uh, as as you could guess, what they call non-cloud has been shrinking. But when you add up all the private cloud stuff uh, in 2019, it's uh, it's about 50-50, depending on, you know, how much you load in. Margin of error is the wrong thing, but how much you load in squiggliness to the numbers. So I don't know. What do you do with that chart? Go tell people that it's, you know, public cloud is the big deal. But it gives you a, <laughs> well, a good... Well, you- you know, you say that that 37% in public cloud, they're the ones who had those security patches first. Mm, there you go. There you go. And and as <laughs> as, uh, as was pointed out by one of one of our friends over at the OpenStack Foundation, it also shows that there's a, still a whole lot of uh, private cloud out there where something like uh, OpenStack runs well on. And uh, and then also, like I said, there's if you look in the show notes, there's uh, estimated spending a very broad categories uh, that Gartner has out for its uh, – what is it? Total of three point five trillion in spending for? Uh, oh, they say they say in twenty eighteen there'll be four point five trillion of uh, no, oh. that's that's growth. There'll be three point six trillion. I can't read three point six trillion of spending globally in twenty eighteen on IT, and I think that includes that includes like uh, meatware and hardware and software. So uh, okay. that's great. Go go get a piece of that. But anyways, I excerpted a bunch of stuff of that in the show notes if, if you want to uh, go look that out. And then there's also some other links that we didn't get around to. Like over at, at – while we were gone, SolarWinds picked up uh, probably the best sticker maker in the infrastructure software biz, Logly. Oh. They, they purchased them to uh, put into their suite of things. So everyone's going log crazy. Uh, yeah, and they, they already had a log. Uh, they had paper trail. Yeah. Um, they must uh, – I'm sure. I'm sure somebody ran the uh, the spreadsheet, the feature analysis. Somebody uh, over in the product management MA said, "You know what? This is going to make this thing that much better." I, you know, if uh, uh, if I remember the four five one write up of it, which is probably done by Nancy Goring or or maybe Scott over there. Uh, I think I think the idea was that paper trail was a little more just like straight up log collecting, and Logly had some more yeah. analytics in it. Or, or something ah. like that. I I, uh, I should have read that. Speaking of things I didn't remember or understand well <laughs> enough, 
Nancy also wrote up a good overview of kind of like the state of monitoring at Microsoft and how they're trying, they're kind of collapsing the product lines into uh, more centralized things. Uh, well, uh, yeah, and that's that, that constant tension, right? You know, Microsoft is going to roll out, you know, some really ingrained monitoring log stuff into OMS and, you know, it'll just be mm. part of that Azure experience. Where does that leave the SASs? Right? OMS. Yeah. Love that stuff. So then, then also, uh, I excerpted a little explanation. You remember that Cisco Google partnership? There's a, there's a lengthier explanation I finally found, which is basically uh, kind of a little bit of what we we're saying is like they're just you can whenever you use their hyperconverged stuff, you can like run Kubernetes and other things on it. And uh, so there you go. Just finally, someone is doing the bursting and and the hybrid cloud <laughs> and and all of that. Business. I've heard a lot about that. Mm. I've heard a lot a lot about that. So uh, let's see. Uh, I'll be at DevOps Day Charlotte as, as something. You have anywhere you're going to be, Matt? I'm uh, well. Right now, I'm over in New Zealand, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm going to be back here next week on vacation. Mm, very nice. <laughs> so um, my 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 dance card is currently uh, mostly free. I I haven't figured out what I want to do in 2018 yet. So uh, if you've got some suggestions for what I should be doing, uh, I'm open to it. Um, but uh, uh, there's probably going to be some some container, some habitat talking mm. at some point, but I, ha I haven't I haven't fired things up yet. Now, now, do you, do you realize, Matt, how much audit and compliance, how much of a hassle that is for companies? Y'all should do something about that. <laughs> you know what? I'm yeah. Like I said, I'm in New Zealand. I'm doing some of that. Right. <laughs> they got a lot of. They got to make sure that uh, that the, the 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 New Zealand sheep stay there as needed, and they get exported. <laughs> Lots of compliance. Well, You've got this pivot table where you're comparing kiwis versus kiwis versus kiwis. Oh yeah, the three kiwis. Yeah, we we have a book about the how do you say it? Weka, this little bird that uh -huh. steals everything, yeah. and uh, you got to watch out for those those little guys. They're they're, they're st they'll steal your your dad's watch, and then you'll end up naked in front of all of the hikers. So uh, it's, it's it's a problem. Is that all you're wearing is a watch? <laughs> you were naked with or without that watch. Well, well, the whole the whole story. I'll have to put a link to this. This this, this guy is in charge of of the hiker's little cabin, and at the end of a hot day. And every time I read this, I think like I don't think there are hot days in New Zealand, so I don't know what this guy's problem is. But at the end of a hot day, he likes to go cool off in the stream you know, without his clothes on. And then the Weka comes and steals his watch and he's running, chasing after it. And he realizes he's not alone. People are looking at mm. him. So uh, he comes up with a pretty good scheme. Speaking of exploits to get his watch back, it, 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 it all works out in the end. It's a delightful wow. story. So uh, what, what do you, what do you have to recommend to us this week, Matt? Uh, well, well, um, <clears throat> I'm catching up on, uh, so, so, I, I got to go uh, back to Austin for the holidays and uh, went through some of the things I'd put in storage. Uh, so last year for Christmas, I got my wife uh, the Ed Young's book, um, I Contain Multitudes. It's about uh, bacteria and viruses and the microbiomes among everybody. And, and uh, Ed Young's a really good writer. He's the lead science writer for The Atlantic. So you know, he just cranks out stuff over there, but it's, it's a very good engaging book about like all the stuff you have inside you and everything has inside it and how, you know, half your body weight is probably bacteria. Um, it's a good book. So I, I recommend that I'm, I'm hauling it around as a, as I finish it up. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not science fiction. 
which is where I'm usually reading, but uh, it, it's good. And then uh, listeners of the show will be delighted to know I finally got my backpack. <laughs> oh, well, so give us a quick little review. How's, how's it working uh, out? It's pretty great. It's actually, um, uh, by, by the specs, it's smaller than my previous uh, Tom Ben bag. Um, but it feels much bigger because it's such an efficient use of space. Um, so I, I've got the GORUCK Echo, uh, which is like the smaller of the backpacks and, you know, fits my, my 13 inch, uh, MacBook pro, a lot of space on the inside for carrying around my, my, my real book, not mm. just the Kindle, but the you know real book. And, um, it's got the whole Molly system for adding new bags and stuff. Uh, we'll probably have to spend half an hour talking about it in the future, but, um, I'm still I'm still tuning my bag, but yeah, good stuff. I like it. Hmm. How about yourself, Brandon? What do you got to recommend this week? Well, I just I look forward to the further review of the Molly system because uh, <laughs> I always like to see the Molly system in the real world. And I was going to say uh, a little bit further out in the future, but uh, if all goes well and plans remain the same, I'm going to be at South by Southwest here in Austin. I'm sure Cote will find a way down. So. We've been talking about it, but maybe we'll actually do a uh, software-defined talk meetup of some kind. Mm. So everyone just like put that on your calendar. Um, and that could be in anything from like an organized set of activities where like we have some people speak and record to uh, we just show up at some place and drink beer. So we'll see. You know, the spectrum's wide open on what we can do there. Uh, and finally, I was going to recommend uh, Wind River, which is uh, a movie that I saw over my Christmas break. It's just, uh, I think, just a really good kind of a crime story, but uh, very character-driven. It takes place, I think it's North Dakota, so it's very cold, and uh, the scenery is very interesting. And uh, just the, the movie was just really well done. So if you're looking for something to watch, I would check out Wind River. Mm, I, I almost watched that twice on uh, some flights earlier this month, but oh. I realized I should probably watch it with my wife instead. It didn't look like uh, uh. like I watched that, uh, what was that movie, Valerium? Or whatever that Luke Besson. I told you one. not to. Yeah, that was, that movie was fine. It was, it was no problem. Oh. I mean, it was it was a good. Given my other options, it was uh, uh, it was it was a good way to spend my time. It was it was. Okay. Uh, so, so I spent a lot of time on planes, <laughs> as you might imagine. Um, over the holidays, I watched uh, Logan Lucky, Atomic Blonde. Um, uh, I watched the Mad Max again. I watched some superhero movie. I, I watched like half a dozen movies and mm. you know what? None of them are that memorable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough when you're on a plane and you're like, I don't want to watch movies and I don't really have a good book to read and I don't want to just get wasted. Like you just sort of <laughs> run out of things. To, I guess you could read white papers. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Go back to drinking. Um, yeah. Well, my recommendation this week. Now I don't know how to say it because I'm I'm from Texas. Uh, is I I am not wearing them now, but I I bought these Olukai Mulao slippers. Now that'll do. There you go. Now they say <laughs> slippers on them, but I would like to think of them as a general uh, piece of footwear. Now what they are is like if you'll remember my extensive. Uh, shoe conversation from last year where I got some sort of Clark shoes and they're kind of like those slip on shoes that you can wear, you know, you can wear to take out the trash, drop off your kids or present it in EBC. Like they're good. And man, those shoes are great, by the way, I'll have to find a link to them, but they're very well padded. They're durable. They're small. They're excellent shoes. But these ones, they look a little bit like a nineties Cadillac DeVille, 
you know, sort of bulbous and boatish. But I'm pretty sure you can get away with just wearing them as a normal shoe. And what what uh, what what they are, other than comfortable, is they've got sheepskin, like re- or, you know, the fur, real sheep fur lining the upper part of the entire shoe. So they feel they feel really nice walking around, and they're designed so that you can have the back part like fold down and wear them more like uh, true slippers. So they're they're a little pricey, but man, they're great shoes. Like I was, it's about what is it like uh, fifteen twenty degrees Fahrenheit, and uh, of course, you know, dropping the kids off to school. I'm trying one not to get so upset that I just want to like go buy a pack of cigarettes and never come home, but two, like I don't have a lot of time to uh, basically get my shit together. So, you know, my hair looks like a mess, but I just slipped these shoes on without socks and my ankles were cold, but my feet were very warm. They're very, very good shoes. So uh, look into those. The Ulukai Mulau Slipper. Good stuff. All right. Well, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, uh, this being episode 118, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 118, and there's a bunch of stuff we didn't cover. And uh, thanks again to Datadog for sponsoring this episode. Remember, if, if you want to check them out, all the great monitoring and collaboration and dashboarding, really kind of get a sense of uh, how your systems are running and if uh, the wind chimes are going off, you just go to datadog.com slash softwaredefinedtalk, kind of poke around there, set up a dashboard, and they'll send you a, a free T-shirt, which we can all vouch well, at least me, is very comfortable and nice. Uh, and join us in the Slack channel and uh, check out the newsletter we have. It comes out every Friday and has a lot, a lot of uh, you know, things relevant to this that we go over. Uh, and as always, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, the last presents delivered And the snow outside's getting thicker So let's open that bottle of liquor Hey, bourbon, take me home On bourbon, on vodka, on scotch and on gin Take me back, let the North Pole dancing begin It's my party, I'll be naughty Get more lit than a tree Put that elf on a shelf And Merry Christmas to me
Take me home.